The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today, we go back to our series on the Kingdom of God, where we are exploring the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. You may recall that the last time we spoke on this topic, we were considering the Bible truth of the new birth. We saw that it was solely and wholly by the operation of the Holy Spirit, without regard to any means of men. Today, we want to go a little deeper into the new birth, and we ask two questions. First of all, When did the new birth first begin to occur? And secondly, what happens in the new birth? In today's message, we deal primarily with the question of when the new birth began to occur. And we see that the new birth is an old truth. The new birth has been required since Adam fell in the garden and plunged the entire human race into sin. You may recall that Jesus marveled at the fact that Nicodemus who was a master or teacher of Israel, didn't have a clue about the new birth. The reason he marveled is because the new birth is taught plainly in many places in the Old Testament. We'll look at some of those places today, and in tomorrow's post, we will conclude the sermon and learn a little bit about what happens in the new birth. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Tonight, I want to go back to the series that I've been on in the morning on the kingdom of God. And you may recall that we were looking at Article 6 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. And I also want to remind you that these Articles of Faith have not been amended since 1847. Now, again, as I said this morning, that's not because the seven charter members of this church were so smart that they thought up something that would last because quite frankly, anything man thinks up won't last. But it's because they base the articles of faith upon the word of God. And by the way, these articles of faith are gonna be the same or almost identical to every Baptist church in this part of the country, whether it's uh, missionary Baptist or Southern Baptist or whatever it may be, they're going to be almost identical to the articles of faith of any church like, uh, that carried the name Baptist that was constituted for sure before 1950. And this article of faith, Article 6, states the following. We believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Over in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, we see this principle laid out, and we've dealt with it already in a previous message, but I want to start there tonight. Titus 3 and verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That kind of reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3, doesn't it you? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. In other words, there was a time, and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't trying to quote that exactly, but that's the gist of it. Uh, there was a time when you and I were in this same condition, being dead in trespasses and in sins. That's what he's saying here. But there's always a but there. I'm so thankful for the child of God. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. You know, man always wants to get works in there. He always wants to get it the cart before the horse, if you will, Brother Craig. He wants to say that you work your way up to a point where you can get born again. Well, the truth of the matter is, is you can't do any good works of righteousness until you have been born again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Right there is where we get the new birth that comes in. The new birth, which as our Article 6 says, we believe will happen to every single elect child of God. It's, it's done solely and wholly by the operation of the Holy Ghost. It's not by the combination of the gospel message being preached and the Holy Ghost taking that and using it. It's not by the combination of your good works or your good decisions or you making the right choices. And if you make the right choice, then he will come in and born you again. No, beloved, honestly, you won't ever make the right choice until you have been born again. <laughs> Because you're dead in trespasses and in sins. We saw that in the previous message. I don't want to rehash all of that tonight because I want to move on to something else. But... But understand that the new birth occurs solely by the operation of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and we saw that, as I said before. We'll, we'll probably talk about that a little more tonight because I can't hardly get away from it. But tonight, what I want to talk about more than anything else 
in regard to the new birth is, is basically two questions. When did men start needing the new birth? So when did it, the new birth start occurring? And I mean that in a historical sense. And number two, what is it that we get in the new birth? What do we get in the new birth? Turn over to John, the third chapter. You Bible readers will know this is the chapter where we begin to read about the new birth out of the mouth of Christ. And you remember there was a man named Nicodemus who came to Jesus. And I don't want to read all of this. We've already dealt with it in a previous message. But you may recall that when he came, Jesus just jumped right in there and said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he tells him about the new birth, that it's like the wind. It blows where it wishes. You, don't tell, you can't tell where it came from, where it's going. And that's the way everyone is born again in the exact same way. Maybe different circumstances, different locations, different times of life. But the new birth occurs the exact same way in every single child of God. Which means, by the way, that if I can show you one instance where a new birth occurred apart from the preaching of the gospel, then we have to accept that the new birth occurs apart from the preaching of the gospel. All I got to do is point you over to Luke chapter 1. John the Baptist leaped for joy in his mother's womb. You'd think I was crazy if I ran up to Meredith and started shouting at her, at her tummy uh, and trying to get that, that child that's in there born again. You'd think I was crazy because that child can't understand. It could hear maybe, but it can't understand anything. You, you'd haul me off to the, to the mental institution if I did that. But you see, I'm so thankful that I don't have to get people born again. I don't have to be uh, loud enough or eloquent enough. I don't have to uh, go up to mothers who are expecting or people who don't have the mental capacity or, or, or the ears to hear or the eyes to see or the mind to even think. It's not on me because God says... I'll take care of that. John 5, 25 says a voice. He said, Verily I say unto thee, the hour is coming and now is when they which are dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they which hear shall live. And that's the voice, see, that can speak to that child in the womb. That's the voice that can break through the fog of the mental block of whatever trouble mentally some person has that can't form a thought in their brain. And can speak to them and cause that new birth to occur. So he tells him about that. And then he says something interesting in verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? It just kind of blew his mind. But now I want you to notice the interesting response that Jesus gives him. Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things. You notice Jesus didn't say, well, Nicodemus, this is something new that I'm bringing to your attention. So I wouldn't expect you to have known this. You see, beloved, I want us to understand tonight that the new birth is an old truth. It's an old truth. See, the new birth, we'll, we'll see this in, in a minute. The new birth is something that Nicodemus should have known about from the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus marveled that Nicodemus didn't know these things. Clearly, it can't be a new doctrine. This can't be something new. I've, had, I've talked to people that said, well, you know, the new birth only began to occur 
in the New Testament. Beloved, that's not true. Jesus says here, I can't, well, you know, Jesus could believe it. I'm, I'm putting it in my words, the way I would have said it. I would have probably looked at him and said, Nicodemus, I can't believe you don't know this. You're a master of Israel. In other words, you know the Old, script, the Old Testament scriptures. So we ask the question, when did men start needing the new birth? Okay. Now, the answer to this question is, it began in the Garden of Eden. You know why it began in the Garden of Eden? Just turn with me back over to Genesis chapter 2. I know you know these scriptures, but we're going to read them tonight in your hearing. Notice what God said to Adam in verse 16 of chapter 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, he meant certainly that physical death would come on the scene, but the first thing that happened, you know, he, Adam didn't drop dead when he ate that. By the way, uh, we read in 2 Peter that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. I've said this year before, but you'll notice no man ever lived to be a thousand years old. <laughs> the day in the mind of the Lord, he died in that day. But uh, be that as it may, Adam lived to be 930 years. But what happened in the garden was that whereas before Adam was able to walk with God and talk with God and be in his presence, after the eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he ran and hid in the garden. He ran and hid in the creation. He tried to make figs leaves for himself. He was separated from God. He was separated from God. And then what happened was, after that uh, occurred, every man, every child that Adam begat was born in Adam's image. Adam was created in God's image, but he fell from that in the sense that uh, he ate of this, uh, this fruit and brought sin into the world. And then from there on out, he begat little sinners. Why do, you know, why do you have trouble getting your child to sleep at night when they're a baby? Why don't they just, you know, coo and, and you can ooh and ah over them and just say, okay, now go take care of yourself and you'll be okay. It's because Adam ate of the fruit, you see. Now listen, I love little babies. Looking forward to our little grandchild coming. But, but I'm telling you, when the babies are born, they're born sinners. They're born sinners. You don't have to teach a baby how to be bad. You don't have to teach a baby how to be selfish. I've said this many times, the word mine comes so naturally. At least it came naturally to my kids. And, uh, and, it, and it, it came naturally to me, and it still does. You see, Adam begat sinners. He begat sinners. The, the answer to the question of when men started needing the new birth is ever since Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, it began in the Old Testament. And so you're telling me, preacher, that you said this new birth is an old truth, it's an Old Testament truth. Where do we find it in the Old Testament? Well, let's just start looking at a few places. Turn with me over to, uh, over to Isaiah chapter 43, just to begin with. Let's just start there. We're gonna go to several scriptures tonight. Because I want us to see this truth taught. Remember, Jesus says to Nicodemus, 
Surely you know these things. You should have known that the new birth was here because you're a master of the scripture. When he says a master, that means a teacher, a teacher in Israel. Chapter 43 and verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. You remember when Paul was writing to the Romans in the 8th chapter and he said, Who, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, whom he predestinated, them he also called. We see a reference right here to God's children being called. And he goes on to, to talk about the, the ways in which God would be with them. And then in verse 5, I just want you to notice as we begin to see this truth taught, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name. Now, there is, a, there is certainly a sense in which this could refer to the second coming of Christ. But there is absolutely a sense in which this can refer to the new birth, the fact that God will indeed call his children from the north and the south and the east and the west, there will be a calling. There's a, a gathering there. Verse, uh, verse 8, he says, well, verse 7, let's go on reading. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Speaking of, uh, of Jacob as a representative of, a, of his entire elect family. He said, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. <laughs> you know, that... That kind of sounds like something Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see it. And, and now, so I don't believe he's talking about just people that are physically blind here. You know, all of Israel wasn't physically blind. There were some blind people in Israel. But he's talking about people who are spiritually blind. Bring forth the blind people, the spiritually blind, that nonetheless have eyes. How did you get eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see? When you were dead in trespasses and in sins. When Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Over here on this side is flesh. He said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Over here on this side is spirit. And there's nothing in between. There's no touching either one. You either got to, you know, what is a birth? It's a creation of a new life. In fact, he calls a new birth. He calls it a new creature, right? Well, who created the heavens and the earth? God did. It didn't evolve. It didn't come from a big bang. We don't believe that. Who created the new life? God did. He's the creator. We didn't evolve from flesh to spirit somehow. God, it says, everyone that is called by my name. He said, bring forth the blind people that have eyes. In verse 9, let all the nations be gathered together and the people be assembled. And he goes on to talk about that there. But... What I wanted to point out to you is this. Here we're talking about a gathering, a gather, a calling. People that are being called. Nicodemus, you should have seen that. You should have seen that. Turn over to verse chapter 44 of Isaiah. And we have an even more explicit reference 
to the new birth. Look in chapter 44 and verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. <laughs> Now we're beginning to see the Lord use water as an example or a symbol of the Holy Ghost. And by the way, isn't it amazing that in John chapter 3 and verse 5, he tells Nicodemus, Jesus tells Nicodemus that you have to be born of water and the Spirit. He's not talking about the waters of baptism there. You know, I, I just want to remind you that the Lord doesn't play hide the ball. He's not trying to trick us into believing something false. He's not trying to trip us up. He is teaching Nicodemus in a way Nicodemus would understand. As a master of Israel who knew the Old Testament scriptures, he knew that Nicodemus would realize from this verse and other verses that water and the Holy Spirit, water is used as a type or as a symbol of the Holy Ghost. So he says, Nicodemus, it's like you have read in the Old Testament scriptures. You have to be born of water and of the Spirit, you see. And he's saying those two of the same kind right there, explaining that to him. Here he says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. <laughs> Turn with me over to Ezekiel now, the 36th chapter. Again, remember, we're looking at the principle that the new birth is an old truth from the Old Testament. And in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 24, He says, I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water. Remember water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I will sprinkle clean water upon you. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now look at verse 26. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. By the way, he's not talking here about the fleshly nature. He's making the comparison here that our fleshly heart, our fleshly na nature, our natural man heart is a stony, cold thing. We, read, we talk about cold-hearted people today, don't we? We see people that are cold-hearted and you know, I, I, one of the things that probably uh, bothers me more than anything else is, especially back when I was a district attorney and we get reports on some of these things, is to see what these drug cartels do down in Mexico. They are wicked and cold-hearted. They will take children and make children kill each other sometimes in order to make the one that did the killing loyal to them. They will cause these things. You know, they'll threaten people. They'll... They'll do things that I don't even want to describe in the pulpit to them and hang them from bridges and overpasses to prove their point. That's cold-heartedness right there. That's a depravity that is evident. Now, we all have that depraved heart, but hopefully it's not always evident in our lives and, and even in the lives of some who are reprobate. But in that case, it's evident. It's coming out. It's showing. 
But God said in the new birth, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Now understand that before, I, before we're ever born again, we're the, we're the children of God. From before the foundation of the world, we're the children of God. But He's not really our God in a vital sense until we're born again. You see, He says, you will be, He said, ye shall be my people and I will be your God. In other words, you're going to know it. You're going to feel it. You're going to experience it. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.